judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back to the pod, everyone. Welcome back. Hello. And um, so we're recording two episodes of one night, so we might get a little silly in this one. We'll see how it goes. There's been wine. There has been wine and pulled pork. Yay. <laughs> but no buns. No, no buns. No buns. Dinosaur barbecue. What was that about? You trying to tell me something? Pulled pork, no buns? I okay. I see you. I said bun on the side. They on left the it on the side of my bag and then left <laughs> to, to deliver it. But my ribs were good. They looked good. Yeah. My pulled pork was good despite being bunless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was thinking about this. You know, we're doing a podcast. I've done a podcast. I'm actually working on another podcast. So God, wanted- you're so busy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm an overachiever. It's a problem. <laughs> But I thought we could talk a little bit about other podcasts in our life, you know, whether we're listening to them, whether we're involved in them or whatever. So, you know, what are some things that you've been listening to lately? Um, I've been listening to this podcast called Let's Not Meet. <laughs> That's a great title. It's super spooky. Oh. Did you think? So I had this idea and, and I don't know, but it could be called Let's Not Meet. And it's about vegetarians, and it's like vegetarians. Well, I like that. No, I was thinking it was really about like people who were introverts or antisocial. Oh, I like that too. <laughs> I like that too. But this one is um, encounters that people have had of the creepy kind, and it's like like the one I was listening to the other day was like some girl was getting like followed home by some dude. Ew. And Ew. like Ew. she just randomly happened to like run into someone who like was like, hey, does she know you? Maybe you should get away from her. And he was like being super creepy, and she's like. All right, so creepy guy who followed me home, let's not meet. And it's gotcha. great. It's lots of like very spooky stories. When I first started listening that's to spooky, it. spooky, but like real spooky. Like yeah. Creepy. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's less creepy pasta and more lock your doors. Gotcha. When I first started listening to it, I could not listen to it at night or at home by myself. Yeah. Now I'm in the shower listening to it, just like prepared <laughs> for like murder. I always listen to podcasts when I shower. Mm. Like literally I get up in the morning and I do my stretches. I listen to a podcast. I eat nice. my breakfast. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm in the shower, listening to a podcast. It's like the first two hours of my day. Oh. Like I could probably get ready a lot faster if I didn't take so much time listening to podcasts as well. <laughs> I feel like podcasts help keep me from scrolling on my phone. Like, if I put something on and listen to it, then I won't touch my phone. Honestly, it's the only thing that gets me to do my exercises in mm. the morning. Because, like, sitting here in the silence, I'm going to be like, mm, nah. But if I'm compelled by whatever I'm listening to. So what are you listening? What makes you stretch? What makes you downward dog appropriately? I mean, my my... I have a couple of go-tos, like my Tuesday and my Thursday, I listen to You Can Sit With Us and The Tripod, which You Can Sit With Us is a podcast done by the wives of the Try Guys, and The Tripod <laughs> is the Try Guys. That's um, But I've also, this morning I listened to Bridgewater, which is like an audio drama, Ooh. and it's it's about the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, but it's starring Misha Collins as the main character. Oh. It's also got Nathan Fillion, Ooh. Hillary Burton. You've uh, got me at Nathan yeah. Fillion. He's <laughs> yeah. so dreamy. He hasn't been in a ton yet because he plays the 
the deceased father, mm-hmm. but there's like recorded audio tapes of him that okay. uh, that they come across. What's this called Bridgewater? Bridgewater. I'm yeah. Yeah, I I should be getting mentally. promos here, but uh but I also wanted to drop uh, a line for a couple more things. The first one is Latinx Visions, which is my other podcast. I think by the time this episode comes out, we should have at least one episode out, maybe two. Mm. We'll see. And um, I'm doing that with a colleague at Brute College where we're talking about arts and cultures in Latinx communities. And this season, we're centering it around Latinas. So Mm. uh, women who um, identify as Latina and Mm. and particularly in the United States. So you're doing a whole episode on Cardi B that I'll listen to, right? (laughs) Not quite, not quite. It's a little, it's a little more analytical, I think. But it's kind of cool that we're we're blending those two things together. Oh, I like it. And the other thing I want to do was drop a plug for a podcast that I was recently a guest on mm. called "It's a Fandom Thing," and she talks about all sorts of pop culture. Mm-hmm. She's a huge horror fan, but she. Ooh. dives into other topics as well i have so many new podcasts to listen to right now <laughs> <laughs> i was on an episode with the host aaron and another podcaster named carla and we talked about the show superstore and the characters in it you know our favorites our least favorites have you seen that show i haven't it's one of those things that's like a little hard to get into sometimes yeah. some episodes are a bit cringy but um it's very sitcommy. it's 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 sitcom-y, but it's also, I think, I want to say it's like, I don't remember if they're half hour episodes or, or hour episodes. It's on Hulu, though, so. Okay. Um, I would check out a couple of episodes. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's. Our comedies. Not for everyone. Yeah. There are definitely episodes where I was like, uh, cringe. You but, would not like The Office, I think, then. Yeah, I, I couldn't get through the first season, and that's why I, I never kept watching. Mm-hmm. I know, I'm sorry, Naomi. I'm sorry. I love you. Please still love me. Our friend Naomi is such a fan of The Office. Like, like she lives and breathes The Office. So it's like my one shame around her. (laughs) She would never shame you for it, though. What about anything, you know, books or shows or movies? I'm rewatching Lost because I'm that kind of a person. Did you ever watch Lost? No, and I heard it had what? a terrible ending, so I, I never started it. So it starts out so good, though, that it's almost worth it. So I'm like up to season three. Okay, that's how I feel about Supernatural. Yeah. There's like no more polar bears, but there's like, I know like Egyptian shit's coming. I just remember the first time I watched it. I'm it was sorry, like polar really bears and Egyptian shit? All on an island. Listen, it gets crazy. It gets mm-hmm. crazy. Okay. Um, but it's exciting to like watch it again after not seeing it for such a long time, because, like, there were definitely things I forgot about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm up to, like, season three. I think there's, like, seven seasons. I feel like that might be too many, but... Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. I'm into it. That's what I'm doing now. And also King of the Hill, because I've never watched King of the Hill. My fiance is obsessed with it. All right. And it's so funny. <gasps> we should talk about... Now, I guess, maybe, coming soon, or stay tuned, Peggy Hill... Peggy Hill is a very big You'll have to lead that one because I haven't yeah. watched it. No, she's but. great. And the dynamic between her and, and Hank Hill, like, you think, like, Southern family, this woman, she should just be following what he says all the time. Like, those would be, like, the dynamics. But she's not. She's very different from any other, like, cartoon wife. Okay. All right. Hmm. I write that right. down. Peggy Hill. All right. 
I, you know, I've been, I've been reading a lot of Latinx YA literature mm-hmm. in particular, or with like a Latinx characters. And there's, I mean, there's quite a few things out there. The C- Cemetery Boys is one I really like where it's got um, a trans boy who Ooh. he wants to become a, a brujo. You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he's part of this community where they practice like uh, spiritual mm. uh, brujeria, like witchcrafty yeah. type stuff. And his father won't let him become a brujo because... And I think the father's afraid that it won't work because he's trans, he's trans mm-hmm. and that he he should become a bruja or that like that the 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 goddesses will uh, won't accept him. Right. Oh, what is this called again? Cemetery boys. Cemetery boys. God damn, I'm writing everything down. Like that actually sounds really good. <laughs> well, I've got it um, in print though. If you yeah, want audio, um, actually, I listened to it not audio first, so okay. it is. It was a good audio reading. The days of me actually reading books are are far over. You know I'm what? Multitasking, unfortunately, uh, I it, I just it don't have the time. But like multitasking yeah. with like an audiobook, I'm completely down for that. Yeah, like, I actually I'm, am more productive when I have audio yes. in the background. So just to like sit down and read a book sounds like such a luxury that I don't have which kind of sounds sad but also i think it would make me fall asleep because like my eyes would just go back and forth i always read to go to sleep so Mm -hmm. whatever my nighttime book is always takes me like a month to read because i read like (laughs) 10 pages and fall asleep on it but the last time i read a nighttime book to go to sleep was uh room oh no no yeah no it was terrible (laughs) it was that was the last book in print that i read maybe it scarred me so much wow oh Yeah. yeah that that was I have the advanced copy of That's that. That's why I read it. Because mm-hmm. when we worked at Barnes & Nobles, we had those advanced readers. Yep. You had to read everything. It was great. And it was free. It was yeah. it was a really good book, though. Yeah. it's Yeah. So I've been really into that, and I've been into Pose. I've been watching that on... I guess I've been watching Ooh. it on Netflix. Oh, Netflix? That's on my list. It's, it's, it's next. It's really good. And Is you it know, over? I hope not. Oh. So I maybe hope there's a third yet. season. I'll get to And maybe there has been, because it's... And it's just not on Netflix. I don't mm. really know. But it has real trans actresses playing trans characters. I've seen so. clips from it, like, on uh, on social media. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, this show looks fantastic. Yeah. And it's got Billy Porter. Mm. Yeah. And MJ Rodriguez. And the first season has Evan Peters in it. Ooh, so why he's in everything. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's kind of creepy, though. Yes. No, he's absolutely creepy. <laughs> like, if he just, like... You saw him on the street, I'd probably just leave. Like, he's incredibly creepy, but he's so good at being creepy that it's like, I applaud you, but also, please get away from me. Yeah. Oh, and it's got um, uh, Vanderbeek there. James Vanderbeek? Yes. Oh, in the James first season, and he is a super creep in that. Ooh. Super creep. He's also very He's not a main in... character, though. Do you ever watch Criminal Minds? I didn't, but I, I know, like, a lot yeah. of people do. That's... That show probably has a really big fandom too. Oh, it does. Yeah, oh, I, a lot of my a lot of my supernatural fandom people cross Fandoms over there. Fandoms make me so nervous, though. They it's can be lot. intimidating. They're a lot. They're hard to get into. But yeah. once you do, and you find your people within that, and you mm. block the people who aren't your people, then you're good. I could get into your criminal minds uh, fandom. Anyway, I'm here for it. <laughs> we should probably get into this actual Planning episode. My whole yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got a hurricane coming, so you got plenty of time. Maybe now you can read a book, sit down. There'll be no internet. There'll be no light for me to read this book by. You have giant windows and light some candles. <laughs> what are candles, Grandma? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. All right. All right. All right. Speaking of grandma, we're going to talk about a movie that's uh, 17 years old oh, today. Jesus. I can't even believe it, but. You're right. Yeah. Ugh. So in this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about a fictional character this week. So we're going to take a look at Regina George, a character from a film we both love, Mean Girls. Remember when we did trivia? Yes. And we were Team Glenn Coco. Team Glenn Coco, yeah. We didn't do very well. We were not prepared for that trivia. Well, we ran out of time to finish the movie, and neither of us had seen the whole thing. Like, we were literally watching the movie right before trivia, and we had to stop 20 minutes before it ended. That was fun, though. It was still fun. We should do that again. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Regina George, and we're going to discuss her mean girl facade, and how the other characters perceived her based on the image she portrayed, and how she openly, or not so openly, treated them. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the reasons why she might have acted that way. We're going to dig in below the surface. Yes. Finally, we're going to wrap it up with our predictions for Regina 17 years later, Harry Potter style. (laughs) Okay, that was like 19 years later, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Same concept, right? A little epilogue of Regina. A little flash forward. All right, so let's dig in and then we'll give you a little bit about the movie in case you're not familiar. I don't know. I feel like everyone's seen this, but maybe some of the youths today. Youths. The youths today haven't seen it. Uh, Mean Girls is a 2004 American comedy directed by Mark Waters and written by Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Can I tell you that I watched this with my fiance last night and he had seen it years ago. But when her name came up on the screen, he goes, Tina Fey wrote this and I almost called off the marriage. Like, Uh, I almost walked out. I'm sorry. I was like, what's wrong with you? Grounds for divorce, yet you're not even married. (laughs) Like, you can leave. I'm keeping the ring and the dog. Get out of (laughs) here. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, It is partially based on or at least inspired by Rosalind Wiseman's 2002 nonfiction self-help book, Queen Bees and Wannabes. The book elaborates on female social cliques during high school and the damaging effects they can potentially have on girls of that age group. The plot centers around a 16-year-old Katie Heron, played by Lindsay Lohan. Stay tuned for her, maybe? Yeah, we might do an episode on her. So Katie is a young teen who just moved back from the back to the U.S. from Africa, where her parents have been doing research. She'd been homeschooled up until this point, and her first it's her first foray into public school system. Mm-hmm. That's always fun. that's a that's public a heck school. of a change, right? I mean, from you lived in Africa mm-hmm. and were homeschooled for the first ten years of your life, yeah. or ten years of your schooling, and mm-hmm. now suddenly you're being dropped into a public high school. Like, just do it. Mm-hmm. So, upon entry to the school, she makes friends with Janice and Damien, who walk her through the different cliques at the school. This part really reminds me of Clueless, and I love it. Okay. The stoners sit on the grassy knoll over there, you know? I mean, Janice literally draws her a whole she does. map. That's like, also like, where are those people when you first start something? Like, that's awesome. Yeah. So, as part of this whole map that she draws, she tells her to who to avoid, namely the plastics, aka the popular girls or the queen bees. And specifically, the leader of that clique, Regina George. The Plastics decide that Katie is pretty, and they want to include her in their group. She joins them, but as sort of a spy for Janice and Damien. But eventually, she becomes a bona fide member of the clique. Yeah, she, she kind of gets sucked into it, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the film, there are various conflicts among the different girls in the group, which escalate into the release of pages from a burn book. 
that the plastics had compiled over the years and a full on riot among the girls of the junior class and Regina being hit by a bus. Okay, so I have a story now. Mm -hmm. When I was teaching high school in New Hampshire, this literally happened. Whoa. I mean, not the riot part and the like brawling in the hallways, but there was some sort of book that was released and like gossip or like info about everybody in like a particular grade was released. Was it like one person that had written it or was it like the same thing here? I don't remember what the, the end result was like who the culprits were specifically. I don't Mm -hmm. think they wanted everybody to be aware of that. Um, In it. I don't think so. I think it was students and I feel like whoever the students were who did it weren't in my classes. I taught Mm -hmm. Spanish. So that already cuts my like student contact down because some people take French, some people take German, some mm. people don't take a language. Lucky. So no, everybody should know a language, but yeah, that literally happened. Like, I, I mean, English. someone actually had a book like that. What? I said, I know English. That's not enough. I know. I just don't have the capacity to learn. I want to would French. have if you'd started young, but they yeah. don't do that in this country. No, I so. didn't start till high school. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. No, no, thanks. We need Conjugation. We need to start what? in kindergarten. That would be great. Like, if I could learn Spanish, Spanish would have been really helpful, but French is something that I want to actively learn on my own. And American Sign Language. Rosetta Stone is my favorite non... Yeah. Like, if you can't actually go live there and learn it, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty effective way. I mean, I wish I could just go live there and learn it. Yes. Is that an option? Who would I speak to? Uh, <laughs> your wallet. <laughs> So eventually, Katie decides to take the blame for the burn book. Even though she wasn't the original creator of the book, she accepts the consequences and decides to be honest about who she is and what she's interested in and also what she's good at. At the spring fling dance, Katie wins queen. But when she's on stage, she declares that all of her classmates are wonderful. She snaps the tiara into many pieces and tosses them out to the other girls in the crowd. And Ian, of course. And the gay friend. Damien. Damien. Why did I say Ian? I'm like, who the hell is Ian? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, and to Damien. Yeah, but he gets a piece as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, he gasps when she breaks it. Like, he's the most scandalized. (laughs) It's really funny. (laughs) The movie ends with a flash forward to senior year, showing that the girls have begun to grow and mature and find their own strengths instead of depending on what others think of them. They seem to have reconciled with one another, even if they are no longer close friends. I love that. I love that you can... End a friendship with someone and not wish them ill will. Like this can be just a time in our lives where we were close and we no longer are. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. And it doesn't have to be like that fucking bitch. Every time you see someone, like it can just be we're no longer friends. Yeah. yeah. That's like really beautiful and, and simplistic. I like it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the concept of so-called queen bees, especially as it relates to adolescent girls. So queen bees are girls or young women who are often stereotyped as being beautiful, charismatic, manipulative, and wealthy. They generally hold positions of high social status. And they generally wield substantial influence and power over their social groups as well, sometimes even over other social groups. And their actions are often followed or copied by others. Mm -hmm. They can come across as quite intimidating, really. Some characteristics may include having an over-heightened self-esteem, which may lead to arrogance, or at least the appearance of a high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, a big part of it, right? Yeah. Like, everyone thinks they have great self-esteem, but, but there's like something inside. underneath. Yeah. yeah. 
They are often seen as being overly aggressive, selfish, and manipulative, behaving as bullies, or maybe even as far as sociopaths. Hmm. You know, maybe in extreme cases. Yeah. Queen bees are, you know, not just being wealthy, but often spoiled along with that wealth. Right, which I guess kind of makes sense Comes if you if you haven't had to work for, yeah, for these things and you just have them handed to you, and you know, being pretty popular, talented, privileged, all of these things sort yeah. of play into that. People just want to hand you things when you're pretty. <laughs> guess I'm not that pretty. Yeah, no, I haven't had that. <laughs> I haven't had that happen to me yet. Uh, Regina George is the antagonist for Mean Girls. She's written as a queen bee without question. There are even direct references to this being her role as narrated by Katie. Yeah, there's a scene in particular where Regina has kind of quote unquote fallen as the queen bee mm-hmm. and Katie ends up falling, like slipping into that spot. Yeah. And all of uh, Regina's worker bees, namely Gretchen and Karen, are suddenly following Katie around being like, well, what do we do? Where do we hmm. go? What do you want us to like tell yeah. us how to be? And that's when she's going out of town with her family and they, like, don't know what to do. They're just like, but, 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 but what? What? Like, if she's gone for the weekend, who's in charge? What do we do? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she, like, literally can't go because they need her. Yeah. and she, so But she and does tough. actually cancel her plans. Yeah. And, uh, and her mom's really upset about it. Yes. The first thing that's important to keep in mind is that this story is being told through the eyes of Katie Heron. She's a newcomer to this particular school and someone who is seemingly quite innocent of the ways of high school girls in the United States behave. Although, oddly, not so innocent that she's forced to remain an outsider for long, right? Like, you'd think she might be so socially awkward. That they that, wouldn't want to... But she's pretty. Right. She's so that's pretty. always going to, you know, top everything. Oh, obviously. Yeah. So the first people that Katie befriends are Janice and Damien. They're presented as artsy, social outcasts. It's through them that we get our first glance at how people perceive Regina. Janice tells Katie, evil takes a human form in Regina George. So without even being able to decide for herself, Katie is instantly told who Regina is and what her role is in the social hierarchy. It's Janice and Damien, but mostly Janice, who suggests that Katie act as a spy and learn some secrets that they can use against Regina for some sort of middle school revenge. Katie agrees. These are her new friends. Why would she not? Yeah. But we're to understand that she's uncomfortable doing this. Most of this comes from her inner dialogue, but some of it is outwardly expressed. Yeah, as part of the movie, right? She's got like this voiceover Mm -hmm. sort of like, I understand how this would happen in the jungle. Yeah. But... I feel like there's something wrong with that connotation, too. The jungle thing? Yeah. I was looking to see. I'm like, do they put any black kids in this jungle scenario? But they don't often. No. And I wonder if Tina was like, mm. I hope so. Let's not. I Mm. hope so. But I'm going to pause. That movie is diverse as fuck. From the opening scene, there are people of every race uh, ability. There are, I don't know the term now. Is it little person? Yeah. Little person. So there are little people. There's someone in a wheelchair. There's fat bodies. There's skinny bodies. There's black, brown, Asian. There's, it's diverse as fuck. Mm -hmm. And I love that about that movie. And like, I haven't seen anything like that in a very long time. And it was clearly easy to do. Um, It's a movie that I recently saw. I think, I I think Amy Poehler did it actually. Mm. Um, What the fuck was it called? 
I'll get back to you on it. But um, it was it was like teens in high school and yeah. Oh, you know her I'm- daughter is yes. I know what you're talking about. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet though. Yeah, I'm like nervous. And they actually do address the idea of like so they're protesting. Yes, but they address the idea of intersectional feminism mm-hmm. as part Ooh. of it. So I appreciated that. I'm about it. We'll figure out what it was called and we'll put it in like the notes or something. Yes. But and meanwhile, everyone listening is like screaming the name. I know. Right? <laughs> I've done that to podcast. Yeah. Too. We'll figure it out. So back to what we're talking about. So Katie is painted as the hero of the film. We not only see her journey and eventual growth, but we also hear about it from her. We understand the process that she's going through. If we didn't have that, we would see her as another Regina, right? Yeah. Totally. She hangs around the plastics to the point where she truly begins to act like them. So why should we sympathize with her? I mean, she's a mean girl, too. I, honestly, she is. I, it clearly wasn't her intention to start out that way, mm-hmm. but she fell into that trap. And she gets there pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes with the not being socialized. I don't know. But she was socialized. Yeah. She played with other kids where she was. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the movie was called Moxie. Moxie. Yes. Yes. Right. Check it out. It's It's... It's worth a watch. Now, I want to take note of the names of these characters. The first is Regina's name. Obviously, this is no coincidence. It comes from the Latin word for queen or reign, right? And and that's a heck of a name to have to live up to. Yeah, that's a heavy name. It is. Um, heavy is the head that wears the crown. <laughs> <laughs> the other name that I think stands out to me is Katie. Now, in particular, if you don't watch with subtitles, I think they mention the spelling at the beginning. She does, yeah. Because they're like, Caddy? Yeah. And she's like, no, Katie. It's Katie. Um, It's spelled C-A-D-Y. And I want to point this out because the spelling is the same of the famed white women's activist and suffragette Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And I draw attention to the white part of it because, well, she, along with Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass, formed the American Equal Rights Association in 1866. Within a few short years, she and Anthony became opponents to the right for black people to vote. And she was known for expressing her racist opinions quite openly. So that's fun. It's not to say I'm not saying Katie in the movie is a racist, but what I'm saying is that like, She was named after this woman because she was this hero for the women's right Mm -hmm. to vote. And she's looked at in a positive light, but not everything about her is perfect, that there's a dark side to her. So I don't know. That was just after some Googling, I started analyzing that name and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to make this connection. I like that connection. I like I like how you got there. (laughs) I like to imagine a remake of this movie from the perspective of Regina, though. Like, Mm. what are her thoughts on this? Could we get her inner monologue? Like, how does she view Janice? Because we get Janice's opinion on her. And we get a little bit of what she thinks. But I mean, really, inside, what does she think? What are her insecurities around Katie? Or any of the boys or girls in her school, like, that she's interested in? Mm -hmm. What is her family life like? I think that's a big one I'd love to dig into some more. And we do get little pieces of this in the film. But we really have to work to put the crumbs together to really better understand Regina as more than just a bully. So on the surface, the words we could use to describe Regina would be manipulative, controlling, deceiving, 
power hungry, glamorous, angry, compelling. Yeah. Um, but words, there are some words that are actually used to describe her in the film mm. that kind of go along with those. She's deemed fabulous but evil. She's actually called a queen bee, a star. She looks fierce. She's mean. And there's more things, but like these are words that are actually openly expressed about who she is. Mm. She victimizes those around her. No question about this, right? Katie, Gretchen, and Karen, Aaron, even Janice. Each of these characters are targeted by Regina. Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Regina George. It seems as though her goal is to maintain her position in the social hierarchy at all costs. It doesn't matter what price she has to pay to get Mm -hmm. there. She will do so. And then you have a bit of competition because when Katie comes in, she's the new girl. She's a clear threat to the established position of social order that Regina has. When it comes to Gretchen and Karen, these are her little worker bees, right? They do what she says without question. Their physical appearance was likely a threat to Regina at some point, and she wore them down, right? They were the Katies. Yeah. They were the pretty girls, and she was like, I got you, and I got you, and Mm -hmm. I... Like, I don't think it was fully conscious on her part, but there was something about them that came across as a threat to her, and she had to subdue that threat. Yeah, like, if you can't beat them, join them situation. Yeah, or if you can't beat them, force them to join you. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But they have compromised themselves to gain her approval, and they don't allow themselves to think on their own. So they have been victimized by her as well. Aaron is uh, Regina's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, boyfriend again, ex-boyfriend, on and off. Situationship. Yeah. He's manipulated by Regina when she learns that Katie likes him. Now, Katie didn't know that it was her Mm ex-boyfriend at that point, but she convinces him that Katie is a stalker and socially awkward. I'm not going to use the actual quote from the movie here because it's inappropriate. But if she can't have him, if if Regina can't have Aaron, no one can. He's just another pawn to her, really. And of course, Janice was Regina's original target. They were friends in grade school, but after a fight, Regina told everyone that Janice was a lesbian, even though she had no proof one way or the other. And of course, this is not a bad thing, even if she is a lesbian, but I feel like the stigma was a lot higher in the early 2000s. I I mean, I was out of high school by then, but I was in high school and yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. Like it was not something that you could just like freely call someone without like a fight yeah 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 i mean i remember that we like kind of sort of knew some kids Mm -hmm. were gay yeah but no one ever openly said so but also i don't think it's just a a term that you throw around in in positivity like when you say it like someone could absolutely be a lesbian but if you're like hey lesbian you're not saying that as like hey buddy hey lesbian yeah it's not like a (laughs) joyous thing it's like usually used in a derogatory tone Yeah, and I mean, there have been movements away from those terms, especially Mm -hmm. in the, well, I mean, I guess I don't know. Maybe in some of the high schools, they're still being used in that negative way. But from what I've seen online and in virtual spaces in general, there's a a lot more pushback to people who use those words derogatorily. Derogatorily? In a derogatory manner. Derogatorized. (laughs) Uh, I like that. You should write that down. Derogatorized. Derogatorized. Okay, yes. 
Now, Regina seems to live a charmed life. She has a car, a nice car, designer bags and clothes. She lives in a huge-ass house with parents who are married, although happily is another question. She has a sister, a dog, and her friends love going to her house because there are no real rules, and her mom is so welcoming. She's not a regular mom. She's a cool mom. Uh, yes i mean she has amy poehler so that is cool but the scene with the dog biting her boob job that's just so awkward like so my boobs awkward. hurt at that scene but they're not real i know but you would still feel it though the the, the idea that her boobs are so big or poorly done that she wouldn't <laughs> feel them like i don't understand why I they would know. be so i don't hard. know how boob jobs work <laughs> i'm gonna either. be honest regina even convinced her parents to give her the master bedroom in the house what a flex like, the fact that they would give in to that, though. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, she can be sexually active at home and her parents don't say anything. Like, they offered, her mom came in and, like, offered her a condom. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. No, that's really weird. By all appearances, Regina seems quite confident. She knows she's attractive. She starts trends. You know, the thing with the boob shirt. Oh, yeah. Even while quashing others' attempts to do the same thing. You know, like Gretchen and her fetch. Um, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> she just goes for whatever guy she feels like and seems to know that she can get them. She gives off this air of confidence. I think a truly representative moment of this is when they all do the little interview style clips at the beginning where everyone says a little something about how amazing Regina is. On the surface, she comes across as mean and angry. And while there's some truth to this for sure, There's a lot more behind why she's mean and angry than just being a teenage girl. Regina learns her lesson in a deus ex machina sort of way. Uh, You know, the, the sudden and abrupt solution to a seemingly unsolvable problem. Regina gets hit by a bus. And she becomes a better person after recovering and, you know, getting a little therapy as well. All right, let's go a little bit beyond the surface now or really talk about why I think Regina George is not that bad. Tell me. You know, it's kind of like the whole Loki thing. Okay. It's not black and white. That every character is gray. For so long, fictional characters were written in a very black and white way, like Mm -hmm. good guy, bad guy, that's it. And I think I like a good bad guy who's much more nuanced. And that's Regina George to me. She's more than the words used to describe her. She is a complex character, and I think she's sometimes also a victim herself. This does not in any way excuse her actions, all right? But rather, it gives us the opportunity to step back and consider where she's coming from. I think our ability as viewers of the movie to sympathize with her is often based on our own experiences, at least at first glance. In other words, if we were bullied, our initial reaction is to see her only as a bully. She is one. Absolutely. No question about it. Mm-hmm. But it's not until we dig deeper into the why, and even how, of her actions that we might be able to better sympathize with her or even potentially have some sympathy or empathy for her. Going back to why she would victimize the different people that consider themselves to be her friends. So let's take a look at each one. Again, I'm definitely not here to excuse or dismiss any bullying behavior. Not about that. But this is a fictional story, so we can analyze the character with a little bit more forgiveness than you normally would. Yeah, and most of our episodes are real-life individuals, Mm -hmm. and so this one has a little bit of a different spin on it. Yeah. Now, with Katie, Regina felt threatened. 
she was insecure about herself. There's a lack of confidence hidden behind the facade of characters like Regina. She worries that there's only room for one pretty girl, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to lose that position. She likely worries that it's all she has going for her. I mean, look at how her mother treats her and what her mother prioritizes. Yeah. I mean, the picture, the photo shoot with the bunny outfit, the like, I can't, you shouldn't wear this frame for your neck brace Mm -hmm. because it's not. It was all about optics. Yes. Constantly for her mom. So with Gretchen and Karen, I think it's more of the same. Yeah. They were treated just like Katie was. We're seeing them getting worn down just a bit more at this point. They're so eager to follow Regina that they don't even realize that they could overthrow her if they wanted to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What about Aaron, though? So this one with Aaron, it's about control, but like in a different way. Yeah. So Aaron, of course, is more than just an object, more than just something to possess. But Regina fears not having a guy. And for her, that's all about status. Again, I'm going to loop back to her parents. Regina's father is shown very briefly, and he's portrayed as nothing more but a worn-down middle-aged man. But look at the house. Look at the belongings, everything in it. Even her mom's boob job. We can tell that that's money there. Yeah, for sure. The impression is, at some point, the father was like the top dog. Whether he was attractive or rich or both, the mother seemed to be with him for status. Okay, I want to talk about Janice, and this is, is pure speculation, but like, when I was doing my research for this episode, there was substantial stuff out there on the topic. Mm-hmm. Why would Regina make such a big deal about Janice being a lesbian when she really didn't know one way or another? Now, you had said something about her saying she was Lebanese and maybe Regina not knowing if she was a lesbian or a le- There's a TikTok that I saw that was like the biggest joke you missed in Mean Girls. And it, it goes to the end where Janice is like, I'm Lebanese. And the joke is that Regina didn't understand what Lebanese was and thought she meant she was lesbian. (laughs) And I love that if that's the joke, if that's the whole thing, I love it. But I think there's more. But I do think there's more. I do think there's more. I mean, I think it's a funny joke, Mm -hmm. but my thought is maybe she's projecting. Ooh. Maybe Regina was attracted to Janice herself, but she didn't know how to deal with it or cope with it. I like that. Right. I mean, coming out can still be very difficult today, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there was a lot less social support for it in the early 2000s. Like now there's still the fear of your parents accepting you and stuff. But I think there's less of that concerned with peer groups, Mm -hmm. at least in in most areas. We're talking in the U.S. here. I can't speak for other countries necessarily. You can't speak for like the middle of the country either. No, (laughs) no. But even then, I think among peers... It would be slightly more accepting. Yes. Hopefully so. Like I said, in, when I was doing research for this, a lot of lesbians suggested that they think Regina might have been a lesbian herself. Mm-hmm. Even going so far as to equate her playing lacrosse during her senior year with her sexuality. Because, you know, all the lesbians play the, the sports ball. The sports ball? <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> listen, let's not lie. I don't play lacrosse, but the I'm on a... Sports ball. I, <laughs> I am on a softball team Mm -hmm. of women and the first two years, there's 20 people on the team for the first two years. I was the only heterosexual woman on that team. That's funny. So there is something to be said for like sort of these aggressive sports and lesbians. Did they call you a straight? Yes. (laughs) They're like, no, my favorite part was Erica. One of the girls on my team turned to me and she's like, it's all right. You pass. (laughs) I was like, Okay, yeah, thanks. I've been told that before, but... It's the hair. It is. You know, mm-hmm. how dare I have short hair at, 
age 40 (laughs) (laughs) or ever. And then the other thing that that stood out to me is this point when she talks about how she was half a virgin Mm -hmm. when Aaron met her. And so that got me thinking, like, what does she mean by half a virgin? Does that mean she didn't have penetrative sex so she doesn't feel like it Mm -hmm. counts? And if she didn't have penetrative sex, is it possible it could have been with uh, a girl? Maybe. I mean, who knows? That stuff is out there. Listen, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Regina's potential sexuality. Mm-hmm. So let us know. I'm into it. I, I I get the vibes from her. I'm into it. I could see it. While we're at it, let's talk a little bit about her family. It was not as charmed as they seemed on the surface. Yeah. Her parents are likely in an unhappy marriage. Gretchen even lets slip at one point that Regina's parents don't sleep in the same room anymore. Yeah, I mean... Maybe one of them snores and they just sleep better that way. I mean, that happens. But, I mean, they have enough rooms in that house, but probably something else is up. It's pretty suspect. Uh, So the one brief moment that we actually see her father, he looks terribly unhappy. Not just with what Regina's wearing to the Halloween party, but with everything. I mean, he looks defeated to me. Right? he, He literally has like two or three seconds of screen time, but... We see a lot with his facial expressions in body language at that time. Mm. He's got his arms crossed. He's really got like a sour look on his face. He's not pleased. No, he's like an old curmudgeon. But he clearly doesn't approve, but it also seems like he has no voice in the matter. Like he can't do anything about it. Yeah. This is just what's happening around he's him. He's let things just happen around him. He's yeah. become very passive and the world is like running its course around mm-hmm. him. It seems like he's just like... The money guy. Yeah. And just like things move around him in that house. Mm-hmm. As for the final member of the George family, Regina's little sister, Kylie. We only get a couple of glimpses of her as well. She's always in front of the TV. But there's one time she's watching some sort of Girls Gone Wild-esque show. <laughs> and she starts doing the moves that the women are doing. Yeah. Th- I mean, there's no demonstrated guidance for what this young girl like she's probably like eight yeah what she's watching and how she understands what she watches right Mm -hmm. like i don't necessarily believe in well i don't believe in straight up censorship but i do believe in monitoring what your children watch or explaining what they're seeing or explaining what they're seeing like Mm -hmm. certain things may you may not as a parent deem them appropriate for a kid of a certain age Mm -hmm. and when they're exposed to that you need to be available to discuss it I, I don't know. It's just this sort of hyper-sexualized feminization oh, that's yeah. taken in the place in the house, and it's happening to them at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So if we see Kylie like this now, we can only imagine how Regina has been this way exactly. for her life as well. Yeah. So much of Regina's confidence comes across to me as a front. Mm-hmm. Right? She's very weight-conscious, and I think this might come from her mom, but maybe also from some social pressure. Well, I mean, there is that story called 135. Yes, which is based on, what is it, five, 579? Was that the name of the store? But this is a real store. There was a real store. I what? think it was called 579, I think. Yeah. That's, that's sad to me. It's oh, very wow. sad. Yeah. That's gross. Um, <laughs> what, do they have like three racks? Like what? <laughs> I don't know. This was in California for sure. No, I, I'm going to find it. I'm you like, keep talking. Okay. You're right. She's like very self-conscious about everything. Like apparently she got a nose job. I wonder what her nose looked like before. Or well, And she's 16, yeah. 17. I mean, I think you can do any kind of surgery if your parents sign off on it. And do you think her not a regular mom, but a cool mom was going to say no to a nose job? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop you. Five, seven, nine. 
According to Wikipedia, the 579 brand was owned by Edison Brothers Stores between 1970 and 1999. Ooh. So... That's probably why you wouldn't remember it, but yeah. I would because I was a teenager in that. Also, I don't think I ever wore any of those sizes. <laughs> well, Do they have a fashion bug for husky young girls? Because <laughs> that's where I would have been buying my bedazzled denim. Oh, bedazzled denim. Mm-hmm. I bedazzled my own denim. What? I didn't... Yeah, I had one of those bedazzlers. What I, are you talking I about? wanted one, but I didn't get it. I had one at my dad's house. So, Like still? No, not still. Oh, I thought I, you said you have one. I had one. I'm like, go get it. <laughs> Put beads on my wedding dress. Let's do it. I think your mom would kill me. My mom wouldn't care. If I put beads from a bedazzler on your wedding dress, I'm, she'd be like, whatever makes you happy. She'd be like, okay. oh, she's just on whatever she was on again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback. Go back to our very first episode if you yes. don't get that joke. So back to Regina, who didn't have a bedazzler. So she also starts rumors and gaslights people all the time to cover up for her own insecurities, which sucks. Like, that's such a shitty thing to do as a person. Yeah. But I guess she can't handle it when others do the same thing to her. Right. She can dish it out, but she can't take it. She's pretty weak-willed in that way. When Aaron suggests that the girls who wrote the burn book are just girls that are bored by their own lame lives, it plays into what I think is Regina's fear. Mm Mm-mm. I mean, she doesn't hear this line herself. Katie hears it. But I I do think it plays into Regina's fear that she will not be seen as having value. Yeah. And that seems to be a big drive in how she lives her life. Like, she's trying to achieve some degree of worth in the world. And this is the only way she knows how to do it. By losing the three pounds that she's trying to lose the whole Oh, my gosh. And that's the thing. Like, Rachel McAdams is not a big girl by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -mm. But, like, the three pounds, would that even make... Any sort of difference. Like, if you lost three pounds... I don't know. I don't think you would even see it. And I also agree with Janice when she says that the plastics think everyone is in love with them, Mm -hmm. but really they, and specifically Regina, although at this point I think she's targeting Katie. Yeah. um, They're just seeking validation. I mean, honestly, let's be real, most people seek validation, Mm -hmm. but she just doesn't choose the healthiest ways to do this. Yeah. So I feel like Regina is a product of her environment and social expectations. Like she's always being observed by her peers and she knows this. She's incredibly performative. Like think of the scene where she starts playing with Aaron's hair just as Katie walks up. Mm -hmm. And then she does this solely to force Katie to give Aaron a compliment and it's painfully delivered. Like Katie doesn't want to have to do it, but this whole thing was set up so that Regina can feel better about herself and she's being viewed by people. The people around her are definitely influenced by her actions, and she takes advantage of that for her own survival. Regina's valued for superficial reasons. I mean, primarily her looks, Mm -hmm. right? She embraces this as a way to assign value to herself. She makes her looks a priority in her own life so that she'll be accepted and even feared, um, you know, maybe, yeah, by, by other people. She's expected to look pretty and to be a leader and to be a high achiever, and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure for one individual, and Regina has no one stepping in and reassuring her that it's not necessary to be everything. No, I mean, look at her mom. Yeah. Like, there's no one stepping in to be like, hey, you can relax and just be yourself. No, not definitely not her mom, and her Mm -hmm. dad doesn't seem to say or do anything. That bus did it. (laughs) 
Right. So we have to be careful not to use everyone's environment as an excuse for bad behavior. But at the same time, we can't dismiss what does and doesn't have an effect on a developing teen's choices, especially when not kept in check. Yeah. So the environment which, in which a person is raised and the expectations of the society should be considered when trying to understand the deeper complexities of an individual, even if it's a fictional character. I, I want to talk a little bit about social cognition for a mm-hmm. minute. Social cognition. Now, I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or anything, but... But you are a doctor. <laughs> my understanding from my research was that social cognition focuses on how people process, store, and apply information about other people and social situations. Mm-hmm. It focuses on the role that cognitive processes play in our social interactions. Basically, it explains that... The way we think about others plays a huge role in how we think, feel, and interact with those around us. Hmm. So Regina's home environment, this arguably affects her behaviors both at home and school and in other social settings. It's like these behaviors affect how others, namely her peers, but also the adults in her life perceive her. Yeah, and the perceptions of Regina affect how Regina perceives herself, Mm -hmm. thus affecting her behaviors. And those behaviors dictate the social environments in which she finds herself. It's somewhat of a cycle or a trap that she really doesn't have the tools to escape from. No. So throughout the film, we can tell that Regina really doesn't have the greatest coping mechanisms. When she learns that Katie's been sabotaging her with the Keltian bars, those are the bars that make her gain all that weight. Yeah. Uh, she begins to scream. And that scream lasts all the way home and into her room. She slams the door, throws stuff then adds her own name to the burn book, all in an attempt to get back at Katie. Interestingly, though, like, her parents never come to ask no. what's wrong with her when she's <laughs> screaming through the house. I mean, they've created a monster, and they don't know how to deal with her, so I think they just cower. Avoidance? Yeah. 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 That's gotta be, they probably just, like, slowly close their doors as she goes by, because what else would they do? Especially the dad. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, done. The mom might give her, like, a mocktail, but, like... <laughs> The dad would just be like, nope, that's someone else's problem in a couple of years. It isn't until she's hit by the bus that she actually gets some therapy and learns a new way to channel her energy, sports. She joins the lacrosse team and is shown how to be an aggressive player. But walking around, she seems a lot more at ease. Yeah, so she's able to get that aggression out mm-hmm. on the field so she doesn't take, take it that out aggression. On people. Yeah, take it out on her people or herself. And, you know, the other sports girls can handle that. They can yeah. fight it back. Mm-hmm. Now, I think part of, you know, Regina's coping mechanisms or lack thereof is part of growing up, right? But part of it is actually being handed tools to help you process your feelings and emotions in a more healthy way. And that's something that Regina doesn't get until after she's hit by the bus. Mm-hmm. So bully your victim. I mean, honestly, to me, Regina's both. Yeah. We can't erase the terrible ways in which she has treated those around her. And we're not here to excuse someone's behavior outright, even a fictional character. But it's most important to recognize that there's more to Regina than just the story. She didn't just wake up one day and decide to be a jerk to others. Yeah. And again, reiterating, this is a fictional character. She's fake. So we can do a lot with her and make a lot of assumptions that we can't do with real people. Mm Mm-hmm. When it comes to the real world, these issues are, of course, a lot more complex. And bullies don't just get hit by buses, survive, and become better people magically. Wouldn't that be great if they did? Final takeaways. 
Regina, today, it's been 17 years since this film came out. What do you think Regina's life is like? Where is she today and what would she be up to? I see her living in a very big house with a wife, for sure, because I really like this, uh, maybe she's a lesbian storyline that you got going on. I like it. But I like the idea of her being like a super kind person, kind of like almost like a granola mom, but raising a mean girl, kind of like, is it nature? Is it nurture? Mm -hmm. I'd watch that movie. I'd watch a movie of her trying to teach her daughter the errors of her high school ways. Yeah, I like that. If we're doing this happily ever after style, I'd like to hope that the therapy she received helped her learn to better cope in her adult life. I think she's definitely married to a woman and that they probably have a kid or two who are quite rebellious in their own ways, whether they're mean girls or something else. They definitely give her a run for her money. Yeah. And I'd love to see an adult sequel. Yes. And apparently as of last year, both Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams were down. So I'm looking at you, Tina Fey. That would be so good. Make it happen. Tina. It'd be so fetch. <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen. I, I can never, I can never stop. <laughs> so we wanted to share a couple of resources with you that we think could help if you wanted to know more about this subject and how we kind of got to these conclusions. The first is a, the book by Rosalind Wiseman, uh, Queen Bees and Wannabes. It's definitely worth checking that out. The second thing that I will point in the direction, which is a little bit of a bias move, um, is an episode of the podcast, Why Do We Read This?, which is the podcast that I hosted up until March of 2021. That's a really good one. Check yeah. That out. Kim's in quite a few episodes. I at, am. At least three, I think. Look at me. Um, but if you go check out episode 13, it's called Hedda Gabler, Tangled, and Mean Girls. And I give a good analysis comparing Regina George to the character from the play Hedda Gabler, which is a 19th century Norwegian play. Hmm. And the, the final source I'm going to put out here, and we'll drop these in the uh, show notes, is a pretty compelling blog post that kind of helped guide me along this path for Regina's uh, sexuality. It's called Regina George, A Case of Closetation and Compulsory Heterosexuality. I like that title. Yeah. It, right. it was a good read. So let us know. What did you think? Do you have any suggestions for women we should cover or, or opinions on Regina as more than just a bully? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, especially if you have fictional character ideas, right? We, Ooh, we'd yeah. like to plan on integrating a few fictional characters mm -hmm. every few episodes. <gasps> I just thought of one. Ooh, well, put it on our list. Yes. No spoilers. Okay. Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod. And on Instagram at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We're happy to include your thoughts in a future episode. Subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your families, even if they're mean girls. Subscribe to us and leave a five-star review. Yes, remember the five-star reviews will really help with the algorithms as people are searching for new podcasts to listen to. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. It's pretty late for us. Yeah. Let's sign off. All right. My quote tonight, you go, Glenn Coco. And even Glenn Coco, he needs to believe women. 